Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the most self-gratifying podcast on the internet. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Paul, and you guys, I, listeners don't need to know why we're laughing. Did I did I use that wrong? Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, no, uh, we, we're the second longest running podcast uh, about the Bills. Um, I, I wonder if, like, we've never done it, but, like, I wonder... Because we we do this all off season and Bills and Beers doesn't, I wonder if like we've reached like a bigger episode number than them. I've Maybe. often wondered the same, and I, I I have meant to go and do that research, but then I've realized I don't really want to go and do that research. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're I think it's at this point though we're one of the grandfathers of of Buffalo Bills podcasting, um, and uh, for our Patreons who were listening before the show, man oh man was that a, was that a chat? But we are now gonna we are gonna talk about um, the draft. Uh, talk about talk about self-improvement and uh <laughs> and um talk about talking yourself into a into a, a hazy I, I can't even do it never mind um this is this talk is the, talk about what it all means you know yeah talk about what it all means um this is the time of year when everything is fixed and good and it's a complete fantasy land that i think that's what i was trying to get at was like this was the most fantasy land uh level of 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 the season it begins now this is typically when we start a new season but now we've moved to the just total episode number format. So that has gone by the wayside. Uh, what has not gone by the wayside is selecting collegiate players uh, one after another to join your team. The Buffalo Bills selected seven of them um, in this this year draft, uh, starting with uh, the life sequatic Gregory Rousseau, defensive end from Miami of Florida, um, at the top, and then there was a handful of others. But I, I think I want to stop talking for a minute, so I'm going to turn to Paul first. Paul, um, give us your thoughts about draft day, uh, about Greg Rousseau, about what you maybe thought the Bills would do or didn't do. Um, I, I feel like if you want to mention Aaron Rodgers, that's okay. We don't have to. Um, this, he's not really a part of this podcast. But g- give me your give me your 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 big picture draft, and then we'll let Scott do the same. Sounds good. All right. Well, happy season 10 if we were still doing seasons, which which we're not. This would be, uh, you know, the, the beginning of that. So I probably won't go into Rogers too much. Uh, the draft, general impressions. I will say beyond a doubt that, that I get it. I, I understand the approach that Brandon Bean is taking here, feeling that these, every spot on the roster, every current spot has really an experienced starter in a starting position so you are not necessarily drafting for the guys who are going to come in during 2021 and make a huge impact so you take a guy named uh greg danielle russo with your first round pick who has one year of college experience it was a phenomenal year of experience but he's not played the game now in over a year and a half it'll be almost two years by the time that he resumes games with the Bills, assuming he is an active week one, which the Bills' first pick last year was not. But they, he has, I'm paraphrasing something I read online, which I thought was apt. He has tools that are not readily trainable with his physical characteristics and with what he what he can do with them. Very similar to Josh Allen in that way, who was a project prospect coming in. 
you know, there are a lot of people saying, oh, he's got all these Bruce Smith type rates. No, 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 let's, let's not even go there. We're talking about the NFL's all-time sack leader in, you know, either him or Reggie White are the greatest defensive end of all time. Don't at me with any objections to that. So I think this was a good decision for him, and I'll, I'll loop and bash him with him because you get two edge rushers with your first two picks. A bit surprising when you have Hughes, you have two established starters in Hughes and Addison, who they are probably not going to unseat. You have a second-round pick from last year, which was your first pick, and AJ Vanessa, who you're hoping is going to make the roster, and bam, there's five defensive ends, which is normally what you carry, not to say anything of F.A. Obata, who you just signed, of Daryl Johnson, who's gotten significant playing time in two seasons and has developed over two years, and of, you know, the Mike Loves and Brian Cox Jr. and other guys who they've, you know, who've been in, on and off the roster now over time. But I like the approach. I like the, hey, these are the, the two guys that were high on our list that we best feel are going to be permanent parts of our team in the future. If they don't make much of a contribution in 2021, that is fine. But let's get these two guys while we have Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes in the room who can be good teachers and tell them the type of football we expect. And then as they develop their physical skills, uh, you know, this can be a big win. So. You know, I think that's the approach. I hope it pans out. We won't know immediately. And rather than talk about the rest of the picks, uh, let's keep it flowing. We'll move along to someone else besides me. That would be Scott. Yes. Unless Scott is. So. Oh, yeah. There we I go. I think. So, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be too down. I'm always doing that. You know, it is the draft. It is the season of light. So I'll start with the bad stuff and I'll end on the good stuff. I'll, you know, it's just, it is a lot. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's concerning in the sense of, you know, this isn't a, you know, this is a, the, the, the league does not operate on soft budget constraints. There are hard budget constraints. There are a finite amount of dollars that you can spend on your team. And only a finite number of dollars can be on the field at any one time. And yes, those guys get tired and it's good to keep them fresh. Um, and the more good guys you have, the more you can keep fresh. And presumably, the better they are. Though I know, I remember when Mario Williams was on the team. I think it was Mario. Or one of the ends that we had. You know, he said he liked to play 50, 55 snaps a game. Because he would need that to set guys up. So that he would set guys up in the first quarter with two or three moves. And then by the fourth quarter, he'd show them the fourth move. That they hadn't seen all game on the critical third down. And that was that was how he could he could seal the deal there. And that if you weren't if you only got the twenty snaps, the guy's not going to have the the tackle's not going to have the confidence where he's going to think he's got you and then you, you you get one over on him. And that's a veteran move. Not everyone's going to be like that. I get it. Um, I get you know. So it's it's a little concerning that there's this much money invested in there and money in, money in the kind of medical for right medical potential future money if you, if you second contract these guys mm-hmm. yeah and like oppor- an opportunity cost that we didn't take xyz other person who will never know uh who we could have traded down to get frankly to me uh if you were going to take two flyers on two good defensive ends with the first and second picks on some level like if that's if you had a sense of how that's board you're going to trade out like trade him to Arizona and get JJ Watt or get somebody who's a legit proven double digit sack guy as opposed to two guys who you're hoping will be double digit slack guys and yeah you'll have two of them so there's a there's a better chance 
that two of them are going to have that one of them is going to get through. Um, but you know, it's the draft, right? It's not, it's not proven. And especially here, um, with the bills where our, I think our ability to evaluate defensive line candidates seems to be mostly a quantitative approach rather than a qualitative approach. Like Jerry Hughes is still arguably our best one. And he was on the team before anyone who was making personal decisions was on it. Mm-hmm. All that said, I think Rousseau's a good pick. I think he's he sounds like a solid character guy. Like Paul saying, he is he's got all the physical tools, which is which is what I'm glad that we're going. I'm going with I'm glad we found a guy who has both, you know, process mental capabilities, but also, you know, the 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 God given kind <clears throat> of natural born there it is. He's given talents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, someone's giving these talents out. Um, <laughs> um, you know, those kind of talents, and we don't have that many guys on the team, so I'm glad that we have it, even if it's a little rough around the edges. I think Basham's a good pick, too. Um, so, you know, more productive uh, for a longer period with more experience, even if physically he's not quite as uh, intimidating as Rousseau. Um, guys who, you know, they, they like these kind of tweener guys, Jefferson was one. Butler was kind of one. Um, guys who can, you know, flex, you know, inside to be kind of a light three technique tackle or um, or play kind of on the outside as well. They clearly like that kind of thing. Again, it hasn't worked out that great. Jefferson didn't work out that great. Butler, frankly, didn't work out that, that great either. Still on um, the roster, but took a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't have the production, really, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the Those are the... Those are the concerns I have, um, but the, the concerns are there. But these two guys are. There's nothing wrong with these guys. They're they're good picks for what they are. I think I just there's the little voice in the back of my head that always nags about strategy and planning and and resources and prioritization. But ultimately, like if they literally thought all the cornerbacks in this draft are are garbage and overrated, and all the other the second linebackers and the the tight ends, and if they think all those guys are garbage. Then okay, you know I, I I don't watch I don't eat the film that they do, so I can't. It's going to be hard for me to judge, um, other than on this podcast where I'm judging them. I think um, this is good, okay, because I think that I, I look at what you're saying there, Scott, and I agree. Except I I agree on the facts, but I apply the law differently. I think is the way I would put it. I think that these picks are more. I think first of all, it's it's important to note point out that like. At least with regards to the second pick, they had a trade worked out, and if and Basham was like apparently the guy who was you know slotted several spots above. Like so, if it, if Basham wasn't available, then um, they were gonna trade that's, out of the second spot. That's a horseshit. That, that, they're never you gonna think, say, yeah, we really had that. We really, we really, we really were gonna try to trade this pick out, but uh, uh, we didn't oh, get no, a good I, offer. Okay, well, so I, we took this guy anyway. Oh well. No, no, I think I no. He said that they had a trade in place. Which is different than them saying that you know that they didn't want the pick. They, I, I so I, I don't know. I, I guess right. that sounded I, a little. I'm gonna, to I'm me. gonna split the baby here and note that I think the horseshit part is in the first round when we saw them on the phone all the time. Yeah. They said that, oh yeah, people were trying to trade up. We're like, nope, we're no, not. They, you know, no, we're interested they, in Rousseau. I think they were probably trying to trade back because they felt they could get Rousseau lower, which most people did. And they didn't have any willing partners, so like, screw it, we'll trade for Rousseau. But I think in the second round they were being honest about Basham. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with kind of Paul on that. I think that if they if they could have traded out, they would have, and they just they couldn't. And then in the second one, they were sort of like, well, this is the one guy who we think is 
you know, several slots above whatever number they picked at it. But let's let's put that aside. I think that these picks are about the eventual replacement of Jerry Hughes. And it's hopeful because at some point, um, and this this dovetails into something we're going to talk about later in the podcast. But, you know, the fifth year extension was signed for 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 Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. Um, and that's a lot of money. And both of those guys are probably going to be extended, I think, or. Yeah, I, I their, absolutely agree. Yeah. Their their second contracts. And so now it's about how much cheap talent can we get on the defensive line to accommodate the fact that we are about to spend 30, I don't know, I don't really, I haven't thought about it yet, but I'm guessing it's in the 35 plus million dollar range on the quarterback, you know, for the next handful of years. And so it's, to me, it's, it's, you're right that, okay, maybe if you traded the first and second to Arizona, you end up with JJ Watt and you take his contract and maybe you can refit that and it works out for this year. But is it, isn't it really about, we the the most important piece of the of the team is Allen and Edmonds on some level looks like, you know, I, they certainly seem to be gambling a bit about what he's capable of going forward. And so, you know, it aren't these two picks more about, you know, guys that you think could work, um, which is the luxury of picking 30th in some ways. You are not going to get. You know, I think one of the nice things was like Travis Etienne and the other running back went about five or six spots ahead of them. And there was there didn't seem to be any movement about from the Bills trying to get, go up to get them. And I think if if, if there was any real interest in them, um, you know, five spots isn't that big a deal. They probably could have made that work. Um, so I was sort of glad to see that narrative dispensed with, I, you know, they went with toolsy guys. Um, again, I, I, I tend to believe that if they could have gotten out of that, that first spot, they would have, but I, you know, I, I don't know that you can, and in which case you got to go with the guy that you can, you can get. And the good news is they've got two young, two more young players that ought to be cheap and are under team control and will hopefully, um, produce. And, you know, the great mystery of the NFL is, will somebody produce, of course, but that's, at every position, everywhere, and, and almost every year. There are very few sure things in the NFL, um, and and even they aren't sure, really. If you if you look at um, the uh, the other picks, uh, you know, Spencer Brown in the third round from Northern Iowa, uh, or North Iowa. Is it Northern or North Iowa? I don't know. Tommy Doyle. Northern, yeah. Northern, okay. Tommy Doyle, who, who, who could be um, – Tommy Doyle could be at the – door of you know frank costello's bar stopping people from coming in um he could be a tight end but in fact he's an an offensive tackle from my wife's alma mater miami of ohio um you have marquez marquez stevenson uh from houston a wide receiver um damar hamlin safety from Pitt, uh rashad wild goose who we will have uh some more questions about later and and i am told that that uh um john gruden is really upset he didn't get rashad wild goose um after getting leather chaps or whatever the guy's name was in the first round and 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 jack anderson who you would swear is a kicker or uh a dad on a sitcom from the 50s but is in fact an offensive lineman from texas tech 
Um, lots of you know, three offensive linemen, and then six, six, and uh, the three sixes, the marks of the beast, um, were all <laughs> were all um, uh, you know flyers on uh, on skill positions, I guess, and, and defensive skill positions, I suppose you you call them. Um, interesting theory. I and I'll start since I don't usually start, and then we can wrap around to Scott. Um, I think it's more of the same from the Bills. I think they are looking at guys who will replenish the the, the bottom half that might not look to to uh, participate immediately, but look to be available. And then when you have to get to, you know, I hate to say it, but like at some point, Steph, not certainly not next year or the year after, but at some point you're going to be looking at Cole Beasley going, God, he's running around on 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 a repaired leg and blah 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 blah. I wonder if that, you know, um, Marquez Stevenson will, will work out. Or can we get Rashad Wild Goose to play as well as uh, Levi Wallace kind of thing? I, I think that's kind of where they're looking at. I think that their big moves to, to fix the team, I don't know. I guess let, let me let me let me turn it over to Scott and, and ask this question. I think that I think that they were sort of stymied from getting the next big piece, right? I think that we all felt like Gosh, they were one piece away, and that piece could have been. We can disagree. We can say, oh, it, it was. It's a dynamic tight end, or it's a, a dominant pass rusher. And I don't think they got that in this draft. But I think what they got in this draft, Scott, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is building blocks to kind of shore up who they are and kind of keep them where they are. And maybe if you're lucky, you can you can you can get after Patrick Mahomes because really the they they got to the AFC championship championship game. Maybe they don't feel like they need to be that much better. But why don't you take that and and bury me with it? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Is is we came. I mean, this was this this was the story. I think the first pod we did after the game is the for you to make sense of where you're going, you have to understand what kind of path you're on. And what path you're on is where you is how you read history, how you read what happened. And that was what we said was I, I very remember distinctly remember feeling this team isn't good enough. We need to get better. And when they first came out and, and said it in the press conferences afterwards, that was the message was we need to get better. This is a completely different team next year. We have to start at ground zero. Nothing. You're zero and zero when the season starts, all that. And that is 100 percent not what has how the offseason has been executed and you could say they you know they were trying and they wanted to get jj or they wanted to get um the something different in the draft the board didn't drop the errors nobody gives a shit if we lose in the afc championship game again none of that matters so um yes i agree these are all good building blocks for the future the most expensive positions after quarterback are defensive end and offensive tackle to a certain extent so if you can get guys like you're saying that lockdown for the future um, that that you could pay for that is all a good strategy um, if if you're not going to be able to get the guys who get you over the hump and the concern is is that they're they're playing like they're trying to get into the AFC championship game and not 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 and and again maybe they couldn't I don't know we weren't in the room we don't know what the information was we don't know what the what the other teams were offering we don't have the boards I got all that but it's just it's a little concerning briefly on the players i think brown obviously super athlete gonna take some time hopefully at some point he'll get there 
But at the same time, like Williams and 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 Dawkins are supposed to be the guys. Again, I'm not I'm not saying they're perfect, but I think they were good enough to let us to I think they were good enough to get us to the Super Bowl. So I think I think the offensive line in general was almost as good enough to get us to the Super Bowl. I think maybe it was a little weak, but I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sure that this is a pick for this year. So you're right there. Same thing with Doyle, obviously. Um, Doyle rules, but we'll we'll get into that. We'll we'll get to that in two years. Um, briefly on my boy, um, I will say a, a lot of the website he ran faster than I think I was expecting. I definitely remember him getting beat at some points um, by guys who were faster. It's going to happen to some DBs. It's just that's life. You're a bit, it happens to Fawn Gilmore. It happens to guys. It, you know, it's a it's a thing. So he's not unbeatable deep. I actually think he's some of the sites were saying he's better in man. I actually think he's better in zone, but he is primarily a nickel guy. I think he can play outside in his own kind of defense, which is what we run a lot of. So I think it's a smart pick. I think it's good. I think it makes sense. I think he's going to make the team. Um, I think he's got talent. We were really we were really hurting in the secondary last year when he went out because he only's only in for about two games and then he got hurt and then he's just like f it. Why am I going to come back when the team's it's COVID. The team's falling apart, like, mm-hmm. which admittedly is not like a super good thing for morale to have him like give up on the team just because he gets hurt. But I get it. Everyone, a lot of people were doing that last year. It's the, it's the pandemic. I'm not going to kill him for it. Um, but he was the the secondary has been he has unseated guys who are much more senior than him and had more experience because he's a good athlete and because he knows the system. And he's trained by our everyone's old favorite, Jim Leonard, who's the Wisconsin defensive coordinator and DB's coach. So, um, so yeah, so no, I'm excited that he's on the team and then, yeah, you know, again, it's, it's, it's building for the future. Yes. I just, I really hope it's enough. I I mean, part of the logic is also assuming that Kansas city stays as good as they were the last year. And they're obviously having to reset. They lost both of their tackles. Um, you know, they're, they've, they've got to reload and do things better, but they also are trying to do that. Right. They're trying to get better as well. They're not just saying like, we'll, we'll, we'll go back into the, We'll, we'll get worse intentionally. They're trying to make up their mistakes too to get them to where they win the Super Bowl. So exactly, and they're they're losing tackles on a on a year where, and I'm going to kick it over to Paul. They you know they struggle to stop the pass rush, and you know against against Tampa. And so you're right. I think that that's might be some of the some of the gambit. But let's turn it over to to Paul and and see what he makes of the the later round picks and and his feelings with regards to uh the bigger picture stuff that we were talking about. Yeah, and and lovely to address both of those. Age, injury, and regression are all things that happen. It could happen to the Bills, it could very well happen to the Chiefs. Roster turnover happens, so who knows where Kansas City is going to be this year. Frank had mentioned the bottom half of the roster, that's where I was going to uh, bottom half of the roster, the bottom half of the draft. That's where I was going to start and, and just quickly cover your, your your four picks there, your three sixes and the seven. These are all pretty much wild card picks. I don't think Jack Anderson is going to make the roster. He's probably going to end up a Michael Jasper type, you know, take a flyer on this guy, see how he does. Could end up Demetrius Bell and be a contributor for a couple of years before he falls, you know, uh, into an average NFL player for several seasons. The defensive backs, same deal. These guys could be guys that replace the Cam Lewis's and Jaquan Johnson's if they prove better than them in camp. Otherwise, they might end up, you know, healthy scratches, practice squad people are with other organizations. And then, yeah, Marquez Stevenson, from what I've read, 
if he beats out Isaiah McKenzie, he's got a good chance at the kick returning job and can develop from there. Uh, maybe he'll be the next Gabe Davis, or he could end up being, you know, someone like Ray Ray McLeod who doesn't make contributions. So I feel these can go all sorts of directions. And it, it's not like the Bills are necessarily hurting for a kick returner because if he's beaten out by Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie's 26. If he does that job for five years, he'll still be younger than Andre Roberts was when he's been doing that job the last two yep. years for Buffalo. So that's that's fine. And Isaiah's extremely low cost. So the, yeah, the top four, you know, we discussed Rousseau and Basham. And and I, I tend to agree, as Scott pointed out, these are high price, you know, besides, you know, your quarterback, you're going to pay for edge rushers and you're going to pay for tackles. So if Rousseau or Basham, if one of them busts, truthfully, I don't care as long as the other ends up being highly productive. And especially if Epinesa ends up being productive. Yeah. Now you have two good edge rushers on the roster because you've drafted three of them uh, in the first two rounds of the draft over a two-year span. So you don't need a high level of success. And guess what? Now you're getting after Patrick Mahomes more. Now you're getting after Tom Brady more because Brady's going to play for another 10 seasons easily. You know, these are, you know, this is what you, you want. I, I That's why I understand the risk. And same with the tackle. Scott brings up the good point too about the tackles that while well, you have Dawkins and Williams under contract and both were very good last year. And I absolutely agree. At the same time, uh, I go back to what I mentioned before. There's injury, there's regression, and there can be roster turnover. They've got to pay, and I did check the numbers when Frank brought up about the cap. In 2022, unless they are able to extend him and lower this number, Josh Allen will be on the hook for $23.1 million, and Tremaine Edmonds is on the hook for $12.7 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention the contracts are paying to Diggs and Dawkins and Trey White and some other high-priced people. Daryl Williams... You know, you you can pay him nine million in 2022, or you can cut him, pay him 3.6 million in dead money, and add 5.3 to 5 million to the cap, depending on how things play out. And the fact that 2022 we might not have the uh, the the you know possibly you know nine figure TV contract they're talking about yet, uh, it could be a lower cap number again. You might not be able to afford Daryl Williams, and so to have a Spencer Brown or a Tommy Doyle who you think can you know, fill in that role and develop uh, and not have to step in as a rookie, but to be able to do it is in their second season or maybe in their third season, you know, that's a good luxury. And I'm, I'm fine with that approach. The thing that you both brought up, which I think is the one negative for me about this, aside from the persistent negative of uncertainty that comes with any draft is you don't have that game breaking tight end that, you know, we're thinking maybe you can get that, but let's face it, that game breaking tight end was Kyle Pitts. And he actually went at four, which shocked me. It's where he deserved to go in my opinion, but he was, he was done, uh, you know, in the top five picks. So now it's going to be tough to find the running back. Frank was talking about uh, Devin Singletary offline in recent weeks. And I mm-hmm. tend to agree that, uh, and I'll, we'll discuss this more on our OTA podcast, you know, next month or whenever that is. Um, but this is kind of a make or break year for a third year for third year running backs, which will go into yeah. more later. And if they didn't feel like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne were worth moving up for, or they didn't have the capital to do so, then that's that's fine. It's not these guys aren't Saquon Barkley's, you know, who were mm-hmm. clearly worth a top two pick because they're such game breakers. They're not Christian McCaffrey's, you know, they're they're guys who could be great and and might not so i i like the approach we'll see if this is enough of an upgrade to take that one extra step to get 
past the Chiefs or whoever is the chief rival, no pun intended, in the AFC, and to maybe actually finally win a Super Bowl. That's that's what remains to be seen. Will any of these guys help to do it this year? Maybe not, but hopefully they are fulfilling the, the long-term mission of keeping this team uh, a Pittsburgh Steeler type of team that's just going to be perennially good. Uh, and their their bad seasons are going to be the eight and eight, nine and seven types because they just have such a good, good uh, core of talent. I wonder if um, quick, quick news and note update. The Bills may be available to have training camp at St. John Fisher this year because they have been given approval. The NFL has given approval to teams to have camp away from the facility this year. So thumbs up uh, if that happens. Uh, Also, Zach Ertz was in the news again today. It's the same story that the Eagles don't want him and they are trying to trade him and they can't trade him. And his name asking for as much as you're asking for. I guess so. Uh, They're probably just going to cut him. I think the thing is his contract. And I think they're going to wait till like it could be like one of these before June one after June one deals where they go, okay, we'll cut him. And who knows? Maybe Buffalo will be adding Zach Ertz to the team, to the tight end room or something. You never you never really know. But I agree with you, Paul, that Kyle Pitts was at four. I mean, let I mean, whatever, four or five in the top 10 was completely unrealistic for Buffalo. And also, no, I don't know, like Brandon Pettigrew had a nice career, I guess. But like, was he a great tight end? I don't know. He was another one of these guys that was like supposed to be a transcendent tight end. I, I think that transcendent tight end is like one of these things that people try and predict. And it's probably harder than quarterback to really figure out who the right. no, tight no ends one are. really saw George Kittle being a tree, you know, that type of tight end. And he's emerged that way. If people knew that he would have been a top five, top 10 pick. So yeah. And I mean, Rob Gronkowski's Buffalo's. Yeah, he was Rob second Gronkowski. rounder, Rob Gronkowski. Right. Yep. Selected shortly after, uh, who was Terrell it? Rel Troop. There you go. His name Terrell I will mention because he's not in this Tandles headlines. Very today. good. Um, let's, so let's do this. Let's, where are we? Okay. We, we, any more thoughts on the fifth year option from Allen and Edmonds? I mean, I think we're all in agreement that that was going to happen. Uh, it probably, sh- I mean, whatever it should have happened. Certainly with Allen, I think you could quibble more with Edmonds, but not really in my mind, the, the kid's 23. He plays very good football. Uh, he obviously is not perfect, but I, I mean, to me, like that's a, at his age, $12 million is a perfectly reasonable gamble to, to, to take on, on what could be a generational linebacker if, if he continues to grow at the way that some people think he will. Um, were there any disagreements about that, Scott? Uh, and then Paul, but I, I mean, let's just get that out of the way so we can, we can yeah. move on. Since I think the only thing, up. the only thing, as long as everyone is clear about that, the goal is to get them both long-term and that this doesn't affect mm-hmm. our, ability to do so and that it doesn't lead to us paying a longer term cost in the other contracts because of it. I would, as, I would assume that everyone is professionals and understands this is part of the business um, and that it's just in that we're still committed to them long term and that just because they're the fifth year for them may not be quite as much. We could still renegotiate it last year. As long as everyone's still on good terms after this, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Sorry. 100% agree with Scott and Brandon Bean said that essentially outright he said you know the only hesitation about giving the fifth year options they had to make sure the numbers worked if you know they are unfortunately not able to work out a long-term deal with them in advance of the fifth season but that he fully intends to be pursuing long-term contracts with 
both of them. He just had to make sure that if he if they couldn't reach those deals, he would be able to keep them and not destroy the cap situation for 2022. So yeah, to Tremaine Edmonds, young, we debate Tremaine a little bit, or I debate Tremaine a little bit last time, just because, you know, he wasn't as slam dunk as Josh, but you have a two-time Pro Bowl linebacker who's what, 22, 23 years old, uh, and still, you know, getting better, seemingly as last season went on as he overcame mm-hmm. that shoulder injury. To me, this was, these were the right decisions, and, but I hope they're not paid those amounts 2022 because I hope they're both under, you know, five, six, eight year deals afterwards. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I feel bad because it's almost unfair to a guy like Edmonds who's, who you look back and you couldn't really ask much more of a guy who was 20, 21 and 22, um, playing linebacker, but you know, it's a big business and it's a lot of money. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think that both of these players know that like that, certainly I got to believe that, Allen, I mean, Bean has definitely said as much that Allen is, you know, it's all about just the timing of getting the contract figured out, but that there's, you know, that he, he all but said that's going to happen. I, I don't think you can say it's going to happen because then you've, you've, you've tied yourself down in case his agent or, or Allen gets unreasonable. But I don't think there's any sense that, that Allen uh, wants to play somewhere else necessarily. I think he's ready for a big um, payday in Buffalo and he certainly deserves it. And Edmonds to me, I don't know. I mean, that seems like a great, it, you know, if this, the good news is you've got yourself two years, you've got this year and you've got his fifth year option year, two more years, and he can really show that he's worth the money. Great. Let's do it because that would be a good position to have short up as well. Another thing Brandon Bean said, and then we're going to, we're going to take a little draft break and then we're going to get back to it briefly. Um, uh, another thing Brandon Bean said was that if there was a player who was not vaccinated against the coronavirus, um, that was the difference between them being able to to have, quote unquote, regular meetings and regular uh, normal life at One Bills Drive and not, he would cut that per- player. Basically, he was saying that there is a definite possibility that not being vaccinated could cost you your job as a Buffalo Bill. Um, the league today apparently got in touch with Brandon Bean and let him know that vaccination cannot be a sole cause for removal from the team. So you can't cut somebody just because they are unvaccinated or based on their vaccination status, I guess might be a better way, a more lawyerly way to put this. Um, to me, this is an incredibly I'm a lawyer. Uh, Scott, Scott is an analyst and Paul works with lawyers. And so to our DC elitist, um, highbrow, uh, professorial, what did James Carville say? Professor lounge talk. Um, this is great. Like what is the, what is, what a wonderful gray area to play in, 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 in whether we could even figure out if somebody was cut based on their vaccination status or not. Let me, um, let me go first. I'll say that I am thoroughly okay with the idea that um, you would be cut based on your vaccination status, that if you did not want to get vaccinated and and also, especially if you were the one player that was the difference between um, 
I'm certainly okay with it being a factor and maybe a decisive factor between two similar players, especially where that might be the difference between in-person meetings and more contact drills and not. I think there's a clear advantage for the team. I think that also, to me, it falls under the purview of you can get rid of a player for a lot of reasons, including conduct specifically, like moral conduct. I wouldn't necessarily... I personally believe that vaccination is a moral issue, but I don't want to necessarily make it that everybody has to agree with me on that. But I would say that to me, it's a kind of thing that like, if we can talk about how guys can be distractions on teams, right, then this to me seems like a pretty big distraction. Now, Josh Allen, of course, you know, put his foot in his mouth, maybe, or maybe not, depending on what you think, uh, wanting more information about vaccination. And I would urge Josh Allen, just like I would urge everyone else to get vaccinated. Uh, we are we are a fully vaccinated podcast here. I think we're waiting on some third, some some second shots, but mm-hmm. we're, we're we're covered here for at least the time being um, on it. And 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 to me, there is a real um, I think that's fair game. I think you can cut a guy for anything, and I think it would be really interesting to, um, as a lawyer, I'm sort of thinking about the the nature of trying to prove that you were, you know, actually the 52nd best guy on the team as opposed to the 55th best guy on the team and proving to somebody that you should have been on the team. And, uh, you know, not that I, I – whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. I think it's an interesting question. I want Paul's take on it first and then we'll go around to Scott. Excellent. I've been, been ready for this one. So you transitioned beautifully and you brought up everything that needed to be brought up and I'll try and give some quick specifics. Frank hits on the point of there needing to be almost differentiators. So if someone files a grievance against the bills, they will need to prove that they were cut solely because of the, their decision to not get the vaccine and the, and the bill's desire to have more in-person means and not be restricted by some of the uh, things that, that the, the the difficulties that might otherwise exist if they are forced to conduct a lot more Zoom things. And I will give you an example scenario. Uh, let's use two bills defensive ends, Daryl Johnson and F.A. Obata, and one gets the vaccine and one doesn't. Let's say Daryl Johnson gets the vaccine, F.A. Obata doesn't, F.A. Obata's cut, and they asked Brandon Bean directly about this, and he is going to say, you know, Daryl Johnson's had uh, two years in our system. He's a younger player. We've been really pleased with his development throughout camp. I think with him and A.J. and with our top two new picks, they can set us up well for the future, so we gave that spot to Daryl. If F.A. Obata gets the vaccine, Daryl Johnson does, and Daryl Johnson is cut, and Bean is asked out, or he can say, you know, is a more experienced player. We're in win-now mode. He had you know, five and a half sacks on a very good Carolina defense last year. We felt he could bring over the top and, you know, uh, so we just felt he was a better option than Daryl at this time. Prove to me that he's, he's, he could be full of shit on all of those answers, but nothing he said is necessarily a lie. And so I don't think that it's, you know, I think he can probably do what he wants there. This gets to the other point that Frank made, which is the distraction point. When did guys like, uh, Colin Kaepernick and Tim Tebow have difficulty finding rosters when it was determined that 
the perceived distractions that they were going to create just by virtue of being there, uh, nothing against their mm -hmm. behavior, their views, or anything, outweigh what their contributions could be on the field. Once that happened, they couldn't get jobs in the NFL anymore, although I, I say that Tebow might sign as a tight end with Jacksonville. We'll see. We are about to see that. We're seeing that again right now unfold. Richard Sherman has always been able to find a job in the NFL because he has traditionally been an exceptional cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. The last couple of years, year or two, he's been a good cornerback, a, a contributing cornerback. Last year, he was with San Francisco. He was, he was fine. He was a, certainly, a, a, I'd say, an average, a better than league average cornerback. Now he doesn't have a job. He might sign before next season. He might not. But he's gained that point in the career, which a lot of people view that the distractions that Richard Sherman will create are not going to be worth the sacrifices and the questions that are always going to have to be answered about something he might say or something he might do. And I think we're in that same situation with the, the vaccines. If there is one player uh, who's going to be distracted by saying, I'm not going to get this vaccine. It's causing everyone to have to be in Zoom meetings where people are talking over each other, as Brandon being noted, versus being able to do everything in person. I think that player is going to be expendable, and I think it's going to be difficult to prove if they're cut, you know, uh, for that reason or not for that reason. And I'm done with my point. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I, not to, to I agree, so I won't belabor the point too much. I mean, I think if you can have a no shirt, no shoes, no service policy, you can have a vaccine kind of policy. Because um, I feel like it's a, you know, that's arguably about public health um, on some level. No shirt, no shoes, no service. Um, that's It's probably mostly just about generally being a pleasant place to go to. But I think you could justify it on public health grounds at least a little bit. Um, and... I think, what would I say? Yes, I agree. I think it's going to be very hard to make the case of 55 versus 52. Um, and I think I think it's going to be, I think there's, it's going to, the burden of proof, unfortunately, will fall on, I mean, on some level, um, you know, the NFL owners already have enough power. So I wish it wasn't that the burden of proof will be on the players to prove that it was, a violation of a potential vaccine status thing that did it um, to get their kind of piece of the piece of the puzzle to get their to get their day in court on some level um, because I don't feel like the NFL owners need to win more but in this particular case I feel like ultimately like I I don't know if I'd I'd actually support a player in that 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 kind of a arrangement either so it's it's there's not a lot of winners here. Boom. All right, there we go. I thought that was going to be juicier, but it was pretty juicy. We all agreed too much was the issue. Yeah. Need someone to be I was hoping contrary. someone would be like, no. <laughs> Maybe we'll get an, I'm sure we'll get an email or a tweet to that effect because that's, we will. that's inevitable. Um, the Bills were not the only team to draft players as evidenced by the fact that we didn't love all of their picks because, you know, other players went to other teams. Um, the Jets drafted their quarterback of the future. Meaning for at least three years. At least for two or three years. Zach yeah. Wilson from BYU. Um, Steve Young from BYU. So I guess you can, in fact, have a good quarterback at Brigham Young. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC uh, is the offensive lineman that is also going to the Jets after they traded up a bit to get him back in the first round. Numbers two and 14 overall. Miami will stick with Tua Tagovailoa. 
uh, and they will add Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. I think Waddle is a bad name for a wide receiver. It right. Seems there like was not one very fast. Bears, I think, named Adrian Waddle years ago, and he was yeah. terrible. Yeah, and Jalen Phillips, uh, defensive end, uh, also uh, going, or sorry, from Miami. And New England, um, the Cam Newton experiment being over, we have Mac Jones of Alabama going 15th overall overall to to the Patriots. So we're going to see if the if that is a if that is a thing. Um, well, Belichick has said that it is actually still Cam Newton's team. Oh well, okay. Then that's definitely not true. Um, you can definitely <laughs> you can definitely trust everything everything Bill Belichick says. Um, but, no history at all there of, you know, sending no, out smoke screens. None. The bigger question, of course, though, um, you know, first of all, let's point out that in all likelihood, Josh Allen is now not only the best quarterback of the of the of the group, but probably the most experienced of yep. the entire AFC East, which is which is a remarkable thing to say. I dare you to have guessed that or, or predicted that predicted that two years ago. Um, but second of all, did did any of these teams get better? in a sufficient way as to challenge the bills and and or should we expect buffalo to win the afc east again scott i will say i don't think so i think miami is i think miami is a good team i think sometimes a good team can play another good team and the second good team just has their number and i feel like miami's not really a bad team but we i think we've got their number a little bit that can change year to year obviously but um you know it was pretty 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 handy that we whooped them um last year and as long as it's Tagovailoa out there he's got to get a lot better to for them to be a real threat in in the afc east and i think they got a lot of other talent and obviously adding a wide receiver is going to help that um adding another good defensive end is going to help that you know they got they got a lot of players and a lot of talent. I think Flores is a good coach, but I still think Tagovailoa is holding him back. If he gets a lot better, then sure we can talk about it. But I, I don't think he's shown that he really got a lot better over the course of last season. Uh, New England, obviously, it's a little concerning that they've they've started down the path. And if 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 Mac Jones turns into the you know a good quarterback, then we've got a problem, right? Because you know Bill Bill Belichick doesn't need a lot more than a good quarterback to be super dangerous um i think i think and then uh the jets you know i think they're still another year away i mean i think the, the line's getting better they they, got, they drafted more players but you know wilson you, you just you don't know i mean it, it's gonna be tough i, I feel like uh, it's at best if you're the jets he's the guy and it's going to take you another year before you're really good enough to 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 make a run at the division because I think the Bills just had too much. Even if the rest of the pieces on the Jets kind of felt they wanted the way they wanted, unless he comes out and he's Andrew Luck, you know, his first season, it's going to be pretty tough. So and that's it. Yeah, I, I would say I'm in, I'm about two thirds in agreement with Scott, agreeing more on Miami, New York, slight disagreements on New England. Starting with, uh, I'll go over the reverse of Scott's order, and I'll start with the Jets. Uh, the Jets have definitely made improvements in the offseason. If Zach Wilson can be a great quarterback, they'll, you know, uh, make even further improvements. However, remember what the gap was. They were two and 14 last year and the Bills were 13 and three. 
Uh, I think they probably made up games on the Bills. Have they made up 11 games on the Bills with these moves? Absolutely not. Even if Zach Wilson comes out the gate well, I still don't think they will. I mean, how many quarterbacks step in year one rookie season are difference makers? Not even Peyton Manning was a difference maker in his rookie year. Lamar a little bit, but that was more toward the end of his rookie year. And it wasn't really till year two where he became the threat that he became for, for Baltimore. So I think New York's improved, but certainly not enough to where they're going to compete with the Bills. And I still, that being the most dysfunctional NFL franchise, arguably, I still don't trust them to make long-term improvements. New England, I think, is the one that might be a little more underrated. As Scott said, and I agree with this fully, Bill Belichick does not need much besides a good quarterback to really become dangerous. And, you know, they have a quarterback that they can develop. They have a quarterback they can develop behind an established starter in Cam Newton, who, while he is seemingly regressing in towards the end of his career, can still make enough plays to keep a game interesting as he did in the first game uh, against the Bills last year. So I think with all the people they're getting back from uh, the opt-outs that they had during the COVID season, I think of the signings that they made in the off season, particularly to improve their offense. They were not that, I think they were seven and nine last year. There's six games behind the bills. Do I think they made up all six of those? No, but I think they're getting closer. And I think we're getting all those opt-outs back people who know the system. It's not like they're free agent signs who have to learn the system and everything. They they know what's going on. They should be able to step in, help New England uh, improve immediately. Miami is the most curious case to me because they were, from their rebuild year, which was what, four and 12, they went to 10 and six, made a six game improvement and uh, seemingly were on the right track. But as we saw in the last game, the bills were simply uh, a lot better. Even with their backups in the second half, Miami was unable to gain any ground, a game that meant everything to them. It was a win in their in playoff game. And that, a lot of that was on Tua. There were certainly a number of drops. He certainly had a kind of a middling wide receiver core, uh, but he was still making a lot of mistakes and looking non-threatening. I am curious as to why when you are making all of these improvements that you would get rid of four of your captains from last year when you are not in any sort of salary cap hell. That seems to me to be an odd move to make to, to get four guys out of there. If it's Patrick and Van Noy and the safety they got rid of, whose name I forget, and the other guy. So, you know, these are, I, I'm i curious on these moves. Maybe they're going to be like the, the Bills trading away Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby. And, I'm, and in hindsight, they're like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here as part of a larger movement. But I'm curious as to why they would jettison key contributors in a season where they're now trying to catch the Bills. For, as far as their picks, I think they were fine. Um, but the Bills, as, as Scott mentioned, they've had their number. The Bills have won five in a row over Miami. Would be six if Charles Clay managed to hang on to, managed to, hang on to a ball <laughs> in the end zone in 2018. And so, you know, their their picks, I think I was fine with. Their offseason generally, which we can get into more detail, I'm sure, in another pod. Um, I'm not sure if they've done enough to close that three-game gap that exists between them and Buffalo. I say go Bills. And uh, both of you should be ashamed of yourself for even entertaining the thought that another team could do well. <laughs> uh, we have a lot uh, lot coming up here for, for Paul to read. So, Paul, where are yep. most of the listener questions? Are they mostly on Twitter? or are they, they are. They are all on Twitter. I think we have the one that is not a listener question, but I put it out there. And then we have one from uh, Rousseau Season and one from Mike Eller. 
and maybe one other. Just keep scrolling down the old tweet deck notifications. As All right. April 30th, uh, four hours ago, Bills and Beers. Let me read these. Yep. Okay. Thank you. And then I will, then you can do this day in Bill's headlines. Okay. Works for me. Uh, Bills and Beers asks, we're all meeting up at a home game this season and doing parking lot cross pod. Yes? No. Oh. Sorry. Um, I will do a cross pod. I am happy to do a cross pod. I am not ready to go to a Bills game. Now, that might change by the fall. I am going to my first baseball game with my daughter next week. All right. Um, me and, and, and Big Girl are going to go and sit in the in the 400s by ourselves and give it a go and see how it feels and all that stuff. But um, I am not ready. I, I can't imagine I'll be ready this year to do that. I know Scott will be in Europe. And uh, but I'll be, I'll be there. Lars. Paul can go. Paul. Paul has I'll nothing be. to lose. He'll just go. Nope. I mean, I'll be fully vaccinated. The wife's fully vaccinated. Uh, you know, I I have nothing but uh, I have nothing but but reasons to surround myself with eighty thousand heavily breathing Bills fans. Absolutely, and you should. And I don't want to stop any of you from from doing that. I just I have a five year old and a one year old. Well, at that point, a six year old and a one year old to think about. And I'm not sure that they'll be vaccinated, but they will be going to school. So. Wait, they play Washington. Do they play Washington here, Paul, or do no, they? No, play... they play them. I was really. They play them in Buffalo. Them in Buffalo. Okay, all right. Which means that the last four, to- three times they've played Washington, I've lived in the wrong city to you, to see them play. The last time was oh seven. All went. Yeah, it was Toronto, then Buffalo, then Washington, or Washington, then yep. Buffalo. Right? Yeah. Um, but okay. Scott, anything to add there? No. Okay. Mike Eller. No. Okay, thank you for saying. <laughs> Mike Eller uh, asks last year a few or says last year a few sites gave us an A for taking from. Seems high to me, and in my mind he is third on the depth chart. Who from this draft do you see as more of a long short? I guess a long shot. I'm guessing Mike meant mm-hmm. as a draft and develop guy. Um, I think we touched on this a little. I think that a lot of the draft is um, draft and develop. Um, I'd say anybody third round and down qualifies because I think everybody here is in the developed category. Um, I don't know if maybe a better question, Scott, is who do you think is the most Jacob from like pick that we've taken? That is to say someone people will say, oh, yeah, good job. And you'll never see them and and or know if they are actually any good or not. I mean, I, I mean, I think. I think there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple different answers. I mean, yes, I, I will say this, like, I don't think, I think Anderson is a camp body. I think Hamlin is a special teamer. I don't think either of them are expected to be really anything more than those things. Wild Goose is a guy who's at minimum a special teamer and you're hoping you can get a nickel quarter out of him who can, who can at least be your, your, you know, fourth or fifth corner, um, if not better than that. Um, I don't think there's a lot of future development that you can get out of a corner, um, but but you can learn and do stuff from there. So that's not impossible. Um, I would say Stevenson might be the guy that you're hoping turns into something more, that he's got some speed or some shiftiness that if, um, you know, if he gets in sync with Josh Allen and is on the same page and can get get on the, you know, run some good routes or whatever, he can he can turn into that. I think that's maybe someone who you you would hope to do that 
And then obviously the tackles, it's just kind of, you know, they got to catch up to the speed of the game coming from, um, you know, an FCS school and a, and a Mac school. Um, they have to get used to going against guys who are, you know, number ones and NFL picks all around, um, which again, plenty of guys have done, but it's going to, those are the guys uh, obviously being drafted a little higher. Um, will, will, you're hoping can actually get to the, to a, a starter level and certainly with your third rounder. So. And I'll give my Jake from pick, if you will, to DeMar Hamlin. Scott mentioned him. This guy was a 13th rated cornerback going to the draft. The Bills have announced him as a safety. They have two exceptional safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They have two exceptional aging safeties in Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer. Uh, we don't know if, you know, Jaquan Johnson is going to be ready to take over that safety role. They did sign a guy whose name escapes me in the offseason, who is a little younger as well. But I think this is a guy who, you know, was was noted going from, you know, high school to, uh, you know, uh, to college. He was the, the top rated defensive player in Pennsylvania uh, in high school, had some injuries, you know, played a little bit at safety uh you know played some corner and you know he's got some versatility so i think this is that guy who a lot of people are saying he has very high upside but he also could be as scott notes uh, just a, a special teams guy and you know what if hey if he turns into saran neil i'm fine with that he can never you know you have two good gunners every year because taiwan jones isn't going to live forever someone's going to need to play opposite saran uh i'm fine if that guy's damar hamlin but i he's the most from-esque to me of the picks very good. Um, from Rousseau season, uh, who he asks, is there any question? Is there any concern about division rivals significantly yeah. closing the gap? In my opinion, unless Tua makes a big leap, I still. Oop, did we lose? I feel Frank? like we just answered, so I'm going to ask did, a different yeah. question. Yeah, can you hello? Yep, we hear you now. Okay, cool. Basically, he was asking if 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 the other three teams can catch Buffalo, and we already answered that. Um, yeah, so that was my that, fault. I, I gave a very detailed answer. Not, not no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask a different question because Rousseau season is a his his handle is Eagle OC for the Boston College Eagles. He's an LA Kings fan, Buffalo Bills, and he says this is my stupid sports burner account. But he's followed by John Warrow and Rebecca Grant, who are very big accounts. So my theory is this. My theory is this is actually Doug Flutie's burner account oh. and Boston College, Buffalo Bills, the first NFL team to take him. He also played in San Diego near Los Angeles. Um, I think it's kind of cool that I didn't realize that Buffalo was the first NFL team he had played for, but he it was he he did the uh, oh, no, he played no, for Flutie, yeah, he was with New England in the Bears. In that's the 80s, right. 87. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was looking at that. I I I read over his uh, his thing, but he went to the USFL too. Anyway, I've decided um, that this must be Doug Flutie's sports bullshitting burner account, and uh, and good for you. Welcome to the pod, Doug. So happy to have you on, quote unquote, Doug. Um, then uh, Paul highlighted for us a a podcast that. My, oh wait a minute. I see that my wife has favorited the tweet saying we are all meeting up at a home game this season and doing a parking lot cross so yeah yes. your wife and i'll be there frank even if you're not so just so you know we'll be hanging out with the crew podcasting um yeah so good so my wife will do it and, and you guys can all answer all her questions about football um 
from Wild Goose Reddit, Paul found this. Paul found this today. Yeah, this is a question re- Scott would ask, so this had this to be is it. this is one hundred percent a Scott question, and I really hope he hasn't seen this question yet. Um, would you rather, Scott, fight one Rashad Wild Goose side sized Wild Goose, or five Wild Geese sized Rashad Wild Gooses? So yeah, Scott, you're looking at uh, one. That's a, that's, that's yeah. a good one. So one big ass wild goose or five yeah, sure. small Rashad wild geese or wild gooses. I guess that would be wild gooses. Now I don't wild. know if it would be wild. Ge- I, yeah, I would say I, that was my one question. I, mean, I feel like they should have said Rashad wild geese because you're talking about five wild goose sized Rashad wild geese. Like there'd be five little wild is gooses. The, like, is, no, the, you, is, the, is the the small humans, would they be... Um, would they, be, wild would they be weight or height? I think it would be... Well, let's... Because, here, hold on. Because um, wild, wild goose two aren't that small. I think we're giving two, like, five wild... I, I was no. going to say, let me... And I pulled up the stats here, if you'll allow me. Yeah. The average male adult Canadian goose, let's just say Canadian geese, because they're... Wild goose is not a real... You know, but we could pick a bunch of different geese. Let's go Canadian geese. 14 pounds, two and a half to three... six. 3.6 feet tall. So that is the that is the weight of a one year old or so. Um, yeah, but kind but of the, the size height. of like a three or a four year old. Exactly. Yeah, and this is my thing because it's like if I'm facing <laughs> five legit, and if they're and the other thing is like we're assuming in this case because this is we're we're well we're in the off season, folks. So this is yeah. wacky schedule territory. Um, yeah. So if we're breaking it down, if this is a real Rashad Wild Goose in that he is a thinking human being with a college education from a great school. And who has worked out and is like made everything that he can of those 14 pounds and and three and a half feet. If he's three and a half feet tall and there's five of them, that's a problem. That is a legit problem. Now, the other thing is if it's now think about it this way though, what about the goose? Is it a 180 pound wild goose? Because Frank, can you do the math on what a how big the goose would be if he's 180 pounds? Hold on, because so, yeah, what, Rashad Wild. So Rashad Wild Goose is 180 pounds. That that's what you're saying, right? That's so, right. Yeah. So let's right. say so for the bird to be 180 pounds, how tall does that bird right, have? So to 180 be? pounds. Yeah. Now look, there's a thing, and I'll tell you this because as a fan of comic books, I can tell you that people like yes. giant man, like there's shut like up. a muscle brat. Shut up. Uh, he would be. <laughs> um 100 okay so 14 pounds goes into 180 12 times so exactly i think what we're i think what you're trying to get at is this is uh so and then we would have to say 12 times the height 0.5 times whatever the average so it would be four he'd be a 42 foot tall wild goose (laughs) Which I'm just going to say, based on physics, couldn't happen. I think that that's just too ridiculous. Because there are, there's a thing are there not like, 42 foot tall giraffes, Frank? <laughs> yes, but not at 180 pounds, they're not. Hey, I think we have, I think hollow, we have to pick. Got hollow bones. Got hollow bones. How tall is Rashad Wild Goose? He's, I think that's the better way to do it. I mean, that's the thing. He's 5'11. He's, he's he's, Right. That's 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 a that's a good uh, Wisconsin measurement right there for a draft pick. Right. I'm gonna put Rashad at about five nine. 
Okay, so in which case, we're talking about a 28-pound, six-foot-tall goose. I but think aggressive that, is shit, mind you. Yeah. Never been near a goose. Yeah, gooses are mean, but I'm still gonna take. If if you're giving me a six foot goose, I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take that versus it was 28 pounds. I'm gonna take that versus the five, the five angry Rashads. Because 28 pounds, like he's gonna hit you with the wing, but you're not gonna. I mean, like as long as you keep your hands up, you know, you're gonna be okay. I mean, it's not gonna be an. It's not gonna be an easy fight, but you're still gonna win. All right. Um, we're going to no do this. Key. No, no. I, I'm going to give you one more here because I'm, I'm just going to say through the magic of science, um, we now have a, a five foot 11, 190 pound goose. And and before you ask, I'd say 30 to 40 pounds of it is the neck and head. And he can really whip that thing. A lot of beak action going on. A lot of beak action. I think it's too easy because you've either. What is what is. What, you've, what, either what, got, what, no, you've either got a, a goose that's going to collapse under its own weight and height, or you have a goose that literally is going to get blown away in the wind. So now I want a Rashad wild goose that is the size of Rashad wild goose, but is in fact a Canadian goose. Oh, my God. All right. Paul, why don't you give us your thoughts while Scott yeah. formulates an answer here? Yeah, I mean, I was largely with... Scott's first opinion, this, this giant goose scares me. I feel like I, as long as I'm wearing some form of protection, probably goggles and, uh, and a cup, just because of the pecking. The pecking concerns me. Um, I think the goose I have, the, excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the, the goose that's Rashad wild goose size, I'm going to have better odds at than dealing with, you know, five essentially toddler sized Rashad wild geese who are expert tacklers who can probably just go after my Achilles like it's nobody's business and I can't even pay attention to that one because I've got another one jumping on my head uh to me to me I've got to fight the recognizing the dangers of both I'm I'm going to fight the the Rashad wild goose sized wild goose Frank just to be clear what is the what is the what is the the combat scenario here is this no holds barred? Are we in a bar? Are we in a stadium? Right. Are, are you just so trying crap? to get away from it? Right. Exactly. Um, like, is this timed? Is it okay. death? Okay, I've, I've got it now. The, the wild goose or five wild geese. Um, you, have, you, have enca- you are going through the ancient English countryside um, as, a, as, a, as a Saxon, and you have uh-huh. happened upon a Viking, a Dane, okay, who has shown uh-huh. up. And in doing so, you have bumped into him and uh-huh. spilled the mead all over his coat. And now uh-huh. you have insulted his honor. And uh-huh. with his, you know, he's going to fight for honor here. And so this sure. is it. You are going to have to incapacitate or kill these these creatures or the one beast. Um, uh-huh. you are entitled to, as a Saxon roaming the countryside, uh, you are armed. Um, I don't think you're oh, necessarily, a, 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 you know, a, a, a raider. A short sword, probably. I, 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 a think, short sword, probably? I, I think a short sword or some farming implements. I think Maybe you hatch. might have a bow and arrow. I think yeah. a hatchet. I'm not going to give you a big axe. You can have a, a, a full size handed hatchet. But, okay. you know, you're not you're not going in there um, 
as a as a as a uh, as a bodyguard. Yeah, you're not a Drenger. Okay, you're 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 there normally as Scott, but kind of you know, protecting dealing, yourself, dealing with the odd bear or wolf or fox or, that you might on. Right, or honor bound blood fight. You know, just yeah, exactly. in case. Doesn't so, happen often, but when it does, you yeah. don't want to be completely empty-handed. Yeah, right. I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Paul. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the big goose. Okay. I'm gonna take take him on. I, I feel okay. like. Uh, I feel like, especially with the weapon, I feel like, you know, yeah, I don't. I don't want. You know, if I'm fighting the little guys, you know, one of them is gonna be going for the weapon right away. Right. He's on me, going for the weapon before I even get it out of the thing, and one of them just just holding on to that, and then yeah, like Paul's saying, two of them are grabbing on the legs. One's off the head. Mm-hmm. And the goose is, it's going to be a pain. It's not going to be a fun fight, but you got to, there's, uh, I've played a lot of icebreakers. My, my favorite icebreaker is the one where it's uh, nine animal, nine pictures of animals with like groups of animals. It's like pick two, the rest are coming after you. And it's like yeah. 10,000 rats, you know, <laughs> 12 yes. bears. That's, a, that's one of my favorites. So I've thought a lot about this. So I'm pretty confident with mine. Okay. I, I, I think my, you guys have, have made the right call honestly uh for me it it comes down to which one of them is vaccinated that's kind of what <laughs> i'm with brandon wow. bean on this one um okay. but i i think this is a great question and i am so thrilled that <clears throat> you know we got a top quality off-season type of question like this um he came to the right place man yes and i'm i'm really glad that reddit bills uh uh you know figured that one had that one out and hopefully Hopefully, I've already retweeted uh, them from the the main account and told them we are at least six minutes deep on this question. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> um, so content, my friends, content. And speaking of content, it is time for the premiere number one um, style and profile and welcome to Raw is Jericho uh, pot, part of the podcast. It's it's the single best feature in any podcast in Buffalo Bills history. Uh, it's this day in Bills headlines, uh, which I am told might have a mini game this week. It does have a, it, it does have a mini game, which I was going to lead with, but instead I've decided to put it at the end of the segment. So dun, dun, dun. Jump, jump into it. Uh, I didn't get, and it was a good time to introduce cause I only got eight headlines today. It was a tough day for, for headlines, but we will start uh, today is May 7th. We'll start uh, with 2020 blank says Buffalo feels like home already as he reunites with familiar faces. For me, it feels like home already. You know people can get lost going to a new team. They don't know what to expect and start stressing out, but I don't feel that way at all. It's like everybody I've played with is on this new team, and I'm on this new team as well, so it's like my second home. What year was this again? 2020. So last year. Yep. Mario Addison. Mario Addison. Hey. Got the clues. All right, 2016, Rex Ryan, after Blank's first day of Bill's rookie minicamp, he's got a long way to go. Obviously, he's got the physical gifts you look for. There's no question about that, Ryan said. You notice the stature, and he's got a big arm and all that, but you also notice that he's just going through everything. It's spinning right now. He's throwing behind guys. He doesn't know where he's going right now with it. Josh Allen? Nope. No. 2016 Rex oh, Ryan. 2016. EJ Manuel. EJ. A little bit after EJ. Three years after EJ. Oh. Uh, rookie mini camp. So it's got to be 2016 rookie. Uh, Trent Edwards. 
Yeah. Played one game with the Bills as a rookie, went 6 of 11 for 96 yards and a pick, and that was his only year with the team and his only ever NFL action. He did spend time in the practice squads for the Chargers and Seahawks before earning the starting job and playing mediocre for the D.C. Defenders. Hmm. Hmm. I, don't remember uh, the DC. I want to say a fifth roundish pick in 2016, somewhere around there. Hmm. Yep. Um, Ohio State, Scott, if that helps. Essentially lost Sorry. his job. Gardale Jones. Gardale Jones. There, there we you go. go. College always helps. All right. 2015. Former Bills linebacker Blank reportedly meeting with Patriots. Blank did not have the smoothest departure from New England. He sent out tweets saying he couldn't wait to end the Patriots two losses a year and seemed happy to be out of Bill Belichick's locker room. I remember this guy. I just can't think of his name. <clears throat> the name... I to to help on the name Thanks, to, to help on, I was going to say to help on the name he shares a last name with a better Bills linebacker from this century is his first name like Brandon or something yep his first name is Brandon it's not Brandon Tate is it no, Brandon he was he Brandon Tate was a Patriot who played for the Bill but he was a wide receiver yeah Brandon Brandon Spikes, Brandon Spikes, Spikes yeah I was waiting for Brandon Fletcher Baker to be a guess. I'm glad. That would have been good. That would have been that would have been key. All right. Uh, 2013. Bill Star Blank sues to get $785,000 engagement ring back. Mario. Mario Williams. All right. 2010. This one's for Frank because he's guessed this guy on numerous occasions and it's finally come to fruition. Oh no. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Bills draft pick blank made for this moment. Two weeks ago, the Buffalo Bills drafted blank an offensive tackle from Virginia Tech in the fifth round. If he makes the roster as expected, oh, he'll become Frank. the first full-blooded Chinese player in NFL history. Ed Wang. Ed Wang. You did nice. fulfill that prediction by playing six games in 2010, which was his only NFL season. <laughs> All right. 2006. Bills blank can haul to the ball. The Bills under Dick Duran are putting uh, putting in place the Tampa Bay defense, a system devised by Tony Dungy and transported to such teams as Indianapolis, Chicago, and St. Louis. It requires lighter, quicker tackles who can penetrate the gaps in the offensive line. Gone in Buffalo are the days of freezer-sized players like Ted Washington and San Adams eating space and an extra dessert so the linebackers could clean up. I will. Uh, so sorry. Give, what was the, what, what was your, the what was the what was the position? Uh, 2006. And the positional hint is that uh, this requires lighter, quicker tackles who can penetrate the gaps in the offensive line uh, and take stress off the linebackers. So obviously on the defensive line. I will say the Bills got exactly Edwards? that. Uh, no, no. The Bills did get exactly this type of defensive tackle in this draft, uh, but it wasn't this guy. They got Kyle Williams in the fifth round. But this guy so is this to... John McCargo? John McCargo. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. 2000... McCargo! Yep, the legendary when he uh, stopped the Giants on fourth down near the goal line before the Bills imploded in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, the early days of our interactions on, on, Twi on, on social media. All right, 2003. Blank won't accept the number two spot without fight. In signing of, oh, whoops, um, 
Peerless was extraordinarily fast, but I think Blank can do some things well enough that we'll be fine without Peerless this year, Bill's offensive coordinator, Kevin Gilbride, said. He's going to give us some toughness. He'll give us a guy that runs with the ball very well after the catch. Not that Peerless didn't do a great job with those things because he was extraordinary. He was one of those guys who could take the, the ball and go the distance. Unlike this guy who played with Buffalo for a long time, but was never as good as Peerless Price in his peak. Josh Reed. Josh Reed. Mm-hmm. All right. Last one before the special segment. Blank returns to bolster offense. Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, I can name the whole headline. Reed returns to bolster offense. Andre Reed is back. Buffalo Bills receiver position. Once a major weakness suddenly shapes up as one of the strongest and deepest in the NFL. Months of speculation and weeks of negotiation ended Monday when the Bills and their all-time lean receiver agreed on a new contract covering three years and worth an estimated $3.4 million total, including a signing bonus of $1 million. After the Bills signed free agent receiver Blank from New Orleans for $8.8 million over four years and made Mississippi State wideout Eric Moulds their first-round draft pick, it seemed downright impossible they would sign Reed. Continuing the headline, the Bills now have three legitimate big play threats in blank Reed and Molds and another game breaker in Steve Tasker with second year man Justin Armour expected to return for minor foot surgery and several free agents vying for roster spots. Third year veteran Russell okay. Copeland could be the odd man out. So I've tried to name every receiver who's not this guy. And this was 1990. 96. 96. Is this Quinn Early? It is Quinn Early. Yes. Nicely done, Frank. All right. And that concludes the stay in Bills headlines, but we have a new. Uh, mini segment here is one I wanted to do for a while, and this seemed like a good week to do it because uh, of timing and the fact that I didn't get too many headlines. Uh, I have no idea if it'll become a regular segment or not, but here's how it will go. I will be reading three statements that were made on the Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year podcast. It'll be one by each of us, uh, and you gentlemen, rather than competing against each other, will commiserate and reach a consensus on which member of our team made which statements in a segment I call Who's Bad Take? So we're going to go gotta back. Work on the, got to work on the name, but okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's an appropriate name. It's entirely appropriate, but yeah, we got yeah. it needs a pun. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So Who's Bad Take? We're going to go, since we're doing the post-draft one, we're going to go back to Season 7, Episode 1, the post-Brandon era on May 2nd, 2018. One of us said, they said the first name Josh, and then from there, it all kind of fell apart. Another one said, they had Josh Rosen available, who is much closer to being a finished product. And a third member said, I would debate about whether I wanted Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy. I think I, I know, gosh, that's great that you pulled these excellent <laughs> Um, but I, I think I know the answers, so I, I don't know, Scott, do you want to, again, you guys are teaming up on this. You don't have right. to, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. I didn't, I, I wanted to give Scott the opportunity to chime in first before I just said what I think are the right answers. Scott is thinking, Scott is thinking hard. I'm going to check the chat to see if Scott is available. He's on mute right now. Oh, he's on mute. He might have had to step away. He might have. All right, Frank. Well, okay. Well, then in that case, this is now a competition. It is. Um, and I'm going to beat Scott. I think I had the first quote about saying Josh and then it all fell apart. That sounds like me. 
I think you were the person who said you might want Mason Rudolph instead of Josh Allen, who we now know we're talking about. And the other quote was from Scott. That was that was a Scott sounding quote to me. All right. You got one correct and you got two of them mixed up. So you were correct with what you said. Yeah. Uh, which is they said the first name Josh and then from there it all kind of fell apart, which is how you opened up the pod, essentially. Mm hmm. Uh, Scott is actually the one who would debate about whether he wanted Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy. And I was the one who said Josh Rosen is much closer to being a finished product. He but, is, uh, exiled in shame, apparently, from the, from the whole thing, so. Yeah, Scott has removed himself. I prepared one for next pod, too, which is an OTA-themed, uh, one. But, so oh, we'll at least have one more segment of, maybe we'll rename it from Who's Bad Take, if we can think of a better pun, but. No, uh, that, I, as it turns out, that's a great that's probably a great name. I don't need my quote showing up later in five years saying, you said this name needed a pun. Right. That's all right. I figured this would be, uh, you know, a nice little segment and we can call ourselves out. And I figure we embarrass each other equally if we do all three of our statements. I also will say I was embarrassed how easy this ended up being. I was sitting down ready for it to be like a 40-minute a episode uh, of having to listen to it before I said bad takes. But I listened to about eight minutes of our post-draft pod, and I had three bad takes right off the bat. This Sorry we good. lost you, Scott. It's good to have you back. Yeah, I know. Just uh, computer ran out of battery, phone's out of battery, so I'm plugged in now, I think. Okay. All right. You uh, missed a new segment. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the Josh Allen takes, I mean, I, I think I was the one. I heard you guys. This is I, good because I just got the answer, so let's see what you come up with. This is good. Yeah, I think I had – I think – I. It was either you or me, Frank, who had the – he started off with Josh, and then it all went downhill from there. Mm -hmm. I feel like that might have been me, and I think you was the one who was more what, – what were they again, Paul? It was who well, was – Okay, I'd we, rather, won't, uh, we won't give Frank – or we won't give Scott any hints here. The first was they said the name Josh, and then from there it all kind of fell apart. The second was they had Josh Rosen available, who was much closer to being a finished product. And the third was, I would debate about whether I wanted Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy. Um, so I think Frank was Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy. And so mm -hmm. I'll put Paul as Bo's pro ready. All right. So you got, uh, you were like, like Frank got one out of three, but you got a different one. Uh, I did say they had Josh Rosen available as much closer to being a finished product. Scott, you were the one who would debate whether you wanted Mason Rudolph ahead oh. of, jo oh. it's on, it's on audio, Scott can't go back and then yeah. frank had the first name josh and from there it all kind of fell apart okay i believe it fabulous <laughs> uh if you thought this was fabulous uh let us know mny bills on twitter or facebook.com forward slash b bills mny those are the two real ways to get a hold of us we also have b bills mny at gmail.com um feel free to share this with your friends let them know we're having fun we're talking about wild geese and i don't know uh, who said what three years ago? At least, unlike many <laughs> pundits, I was going to say, unlike many pundits, we we will own some of our dumb shit. So, uh, you know, you get what you pay for around here. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back. Um, the training camps start soon and the mini camps start soon, and we'll have some thoughts on those as they progress. Until then, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.